Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. everyone to service this morning and hope you enjoy your time together with us and we I'll just want to reiterate <clears throat> to the parents again we are a family church we love having the kids in service with us and don't worry about them making noise they they won't bother me or Dell preaching um, you can bring them up here and let them crawl around if you want I don't care um, I've been in some situations in different parts of the world that were a lot more distracting than children. Just, I won't go any further than that, but um, <laughs> let them come in. We love kids, and as I say to all parents of childbearing age, we could have use more. That's between you and God, though. I, I, won't, I won't go any further. Open with me, if you would, to Genesis uh, chapter 2, verses 18 to 24. And before we start reading the scripture, we're starting a new series called Family Matters, and it'll be going for a few weeks. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about the indispensable family, how the family is required for our species to continue. There are no families, won't be too long, there'll be no more humans. Then next week, uh, we'll be talking about the wedding was wonderful. Now what? Anybody married can attest to there's some adjustments afterwards. I see some wives holding their husband's hands down. <laughs> then we'll talk about raising kids is harder than I ever thought. It could be. And I can attest my baby is now 34. And there is life after kids leave home. And it's wonderful. <laughs> you remember before you had kids, you could do anything you wanted. You could go anywhere you wanted at any time. But you didn't have any money to do anything. See, after the kids leave, you can do all of those things you wish you could do, and now you've actually got the money to do some of it, okay? Then we're going to talk about what the Bible says about being single. That is also part of the family, and there are a lot of scripture and a lot of things that the Bible talks about being single, and then we'll end up with leaving a family legacy, but today I want to talk about the indispensable family, and we'll start in Genesis chapter 2 and read verses 18 to 24. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. 
Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called the living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all of the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God created man and woman, and he created the family in the garden in the beginning. The first institution that God made was family, not the church, not government, but family. And family is indispensable. We can't do without the family. And as I was researching for this message, I was just looking for some things of articles and different things about how important the family was. And I ran across something from the United Nations um, Population Information Network. This was in 2016. And this is what the UN says. The World Population Plan for Action affirms that the family is the basic unit of society and should be protected by appropriate legislation and policy. In all parts of the world, families perform important socioeconomic and cultural functions. In spite of the many changes that have altered their roles and functions, families continue to provide the natural framework for the emotional, financial, and material support essential to the growth and the development of a nation. Even the UN agrees that the family is indispensable. The family is essential. God created Adam and Eve, put them together as a family, and said, fill the earth with kids. I don't care what society today says a family is. The biblical family is a husband and a wife and kids. The old saying, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Okay, now I know that's not politically, politically correct in most of our home nations, but it is Bible. And the family is indispensable. We cannot do without the family. That's why I believe the enemy of our soul is fighting against the family so much. Because our church is made up of families, and we are as only as strong as the families that make up this body of believers. 
Our communities are made up of families, and our communities are only as strong as the families. Our nations are groups of families. So the family is indispensable for our nations, for this world, and especially for the church. And I just want to give you a few ideas today of what the place of the family is. The first one is the family is a place of refuge. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. Every one of us needs a place of refuge, a place where we can go and feel safe. Our homes should be the safest place there is. Now, I know there are many people that grow up in abusive homes, but overall, homes are a place of refuge, a place where we feel safe. Both parents and children need this refuge. And God is our main refuge. We find our safety. We find our refuge in God. But God has placed us in families to where families is a place to have protection. I remember growing up, I never had to worry about where our food was coming from or where my clothes were coming from or any of that because my mom and dad took care of all of it. It was a place of safety. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion... But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will be kept warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold card is not quickly broken. When we go through the different seasons of life, different things that happen, we can find safety and comfort and refuge in our families. And if you grew up in a place or grew up in a family that was abusive or wasn't a place that you felt safe, now that you have your own family, you can make sure that your children grow up in a safe environment. See, when we go through the seasons of life, we have a fan club, hopefully, in our family. It's like home field advantage in sports. You know, I don't know, most of you probably did sports or, you know, drama or something when you were in school. And I remember when I used to do some things like that, you'd always look up in the stands, you know, to... See, you know, who in the family's there to watch. Family is a refuge when we face change. Normal phases of life and we live in a mobile society. It's a place of refuge when we face rejection. 
loneliness and isolation. And it's a place of refuge when we face failure. No one succeeds every time. I think it was Thomas Edison tried over a thousand times to make the light bulb and failed and failed and failed and failed. And someone asked him about it and he said, oh, I didn't fail. I learned a thousand ways not to do it. And then finally, he got it. Now, I'm talking about family as a place of refuge in times of change, times of rejection, times of failure. And many of you are thinking, yes, but pastor, our family's not here. Our family's thousands of miles away. You know, we've got one kid in Africa and two kids in the States, and we see them every several years. But I'm looking at my Kuwait family. Okay? Here in this country, we make up the family of God called CIC, Crossroad International Church. And when I'm going through a change or rejection or failure, I look to you guys as a place of comfort and a place of refuge and, a place, and someone that can help in a time of need. So we need to look to one another as family. And I've told you several times, and I'll probably say it many more, I am closer to many of you than I am to my biological brother because we have the same Heavenly Father, you and I. My brother still isn't a believer, so we don't have as much in common as I do with you. And if I just met you today for the first time and you're a believer, there's something that connects us together because we are family. And then family is a place to learn. Family is the learning center where we acquire the fundamental skills of life. Not in school, but in the family. We should. And hopefully, our parents taught us what we need to know to get along in society. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We need to be talking to our kids. Listen, talking to our kids not lecturing our kids when we sit down to eat. Now, I know in our mobile society, especially in the West, many families never eat together anymore. But I just want to encourage you that if you can, come together as a family at least one meal a day, and that's a good time to talk about the day, talk about things and have time together. It's a good time to talk with one another in the car or at bedtime. And let me give you parents a warning and an encouragement. Your children are watching you. Dads especially, your kids 
are watching you. You know, my dad used to have a saying that I heard over and over and over again. And hopefully none of you parents have ever said this to your children. My dad would say this. He would say, son, do what I say. Don't do what I do. Any of you ever hear that as a kid? Okay, parents, any of you ever, have you ever said that? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. But see, that didn't work because I didn't want to do what my dad told me to do because I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to do exactly what he did. Family is a place where we learn. So let me just ask you, parents, what are you teaching your kids about reading the Word and prayer? Because, see, they do get the bad stuff. They do pick up the words. They pick up our bad mannerisms, our bad habits. But they also pick up the good stuff. And so, hopefully, in the balance of life and in our family, they pick up more good than bad. In home, we learn how to get along, how to share how to treat our brother, how to treat our sister. Proverbs 17.1, I love this scripture. Better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. It's in the family where we learn to get along and we deal with that aggravating brother or sister. I know none of you probably have any siblings that ever got on your nerves. I'm the baby of my family. I'm eight years younger than my brother, and he used to terrorize me. And then I'd get back at him because I would get him to pick on me, making sure I was within earshot of mom. And I'd make sure he had me down on the ground doing something, and then I'd shout out to mom to get him in trouble. But by those interactions, we learned how to get along, and we use some of those things in our daily life. And then we have to understand that relationships are worth working out, and we do that in family. The next thing in family is we learn how to forgive one another. Our children need to understand that each one of us is important, but the universe doesn't revolve around us we need to learn to get along one with another one of the things i like about here at cic is we are known as a family church we have a tremendous kids ministry and we have a lot of you as parents that are here because of the kids ministry and when we got this new facility um, dell and i were excited that we can keep the kids in service during the worship time and we don't have to release them early like we were having to do at the best western but can i ask you a favor as a pastor sit as families so that your kids can learn how to worship god by watching mom and dad during the worship service worship god when it's time for your offering do it as a family so the kids learn how to give like mom and dad give. And then the other thing is during communion, we try to have communion before we 
send the kids out to the children's ministry. And it would be awesome if you could all come up as families. Now, I know there's a lot of us here that don't have family, so get some friends together and come up as a group of your Kuwait family. But that way our kids learn from us what it means to celebrate the Lord's Supper, how to worship, how to pray. And then family is a place to laugh. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And then Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. There's been a lot of debate on how many arrows are in a quiver. My full quiver was three. I've got a cousin with eight. I'm glad I don't have his quiver, okay? Every one of our quivers, that's between us and God. But the Bible says that when we have the kids, when we have the family, then it is a place to be happy. Have fun together as a family. Some of my fondest memories as a kid is vacations and things where I don't even remember what we were doing, but everybody was laughing and everybody was having a good time. And we enjoyed being in one another's presence. In a couple of months, my wife and I will celebrate 43 years of marriage. We've got a 40-year-old son, a 38-year-old daughter, and a 34-year-old son. Parents that have little kids, listen to me very closely. Enjoy them. Enjoy them because it won't be long and they're going to be grown and out of the house and then you're going to have to wait for grandkids. But enjoy your kids while you have them. Have fun together as a family and build things into your kids that they will remember. Time flies very quickly, and suddenly all you have left are memories and old photos when the kids are a thousand miles away with their own families. Praise God now for WhatsApp and FaceTime and all of these things where you can keep up with your kids and your grandkids more than we used to be able to. But there's nothing like hands-on time. I love when our daughter calls us and we can see the girls, I'm fine, see the girls in on WhatsApp. And I love it. But there's nothing like being in their house and sitting down in a chair and one of them crawling up in your lap and just putting her arms around and, you know, I love you, Grandpa. There's something about that, and I miss that with my kids. So enjoy it, because it won't be long. They're going to be grown and out of the house. 
Choose to laugh together as a family even when things go wrong. And then lastly, the family is a place to influence future generations. Psalm 71, verses 17 through 18. O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. 2018, we're calling a year of outreach. We're doing a couple of missions trips this summer, one at the beginning of the summer, one at the end. So if you're interested in going to Tamil Nadu, India, with us on a missions trip to do some village evangelism with Pastor Boskren, uh, either see Pastor Dell or I, we're going to do something in June right after school lets out and something in August before school takes back in. Now, let me just give you a warning. If you go on a missions trip with me, you're not going to stay in five-star hotels. I think you guys can attest that sometimes the, it's a little rough because my son's a lot like I am. You know, you'll, you'll stay in a hotel and it will have what resembles a bathroom and a shower and you will have a bed. You may have air conditioning, you may not, but I'll guarantee you'll come away with an experience that will change your life forever if you just let God help you get past not having the uh, comforts that you're used to and just being there to serve people that are way less fortunate than you. We're dealing with the Philippine Embassy, the ladies, the runaway maids. We're doing some ministry with guys in the camp ministry, um, day laborers and some of those things. But each one of us is to be involved in training the next generation. Beth and Matt, can I put in a plug for volunteers to help with kids? You don't mind? You could use more? Okay. Let me see. How many of you are breathing? Raise your hands. Okay, look around. There's your volunteers, okay? <laughs> it's exciting to be able to invest in the next generation. So I encourage some of you to, that aren't involved with the kids once a month, once a quarter, sometime, just get with Matt and Beth and say, hey, we want to help so that you can pour your life into the next generation. Now, we do that here at church, but the main way we influence the next generation is by the family. You know, it's exciting to see Matt's mom and dad here and just the interaction with you guys and then the next generation that grandma and grandpa are still pouring into the next generation. God expects us as families to help train and help raise up the next generation. So we need to dedicate our homes and our families to the Lord.
Don't get so caught up in work that you forget the importance of family. I have dealt with mainly um, pastors, children, and missionary kids that have turned away from God. And a lot of them give this excuse. I don't want to serve a God that stole my father. My dad was spent all of his time in ministry and never had time for me. Anybody in the church could call them any time of the night or day, and he would have time to go minister to them, but never had time for my problems. That also works in the business world. Dads, don't be so caught up in work. And I know many times we're on call all the time. But don't let your kids see that if there's a crisis at work, you'll get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and go deal with it. But if they're having a problem, you just tell them, I'll go back to bed and we'll deal with it later. And you understand what I'm saying? Family is our first priority. The scripture says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Let me paraphrase that. What does it profit us to gain the whole world and lose our children? Family is where we raise up future generations. We need to pray over our children. Pray and ask God to bless them and help them to be all that they can be. One of the things that my wife and I tried to do was tell our kids you can be whatever you want to be. Our oldest son, his ultimate job that he wanted, and he told me this several times in high school and even when he was in university, he said, Dad, I'm looking for a job that I can make a lot of money and don't have to work. Well, guess what? He's still looking. <laughs> and I think he'll probably look till the day he dies because I don't know of any job that's going to pay a lot of money with no work. But we said, okay, if, you know, if you can find it. So now he's a missionary, a lot of work and no money, but he's enjoying it. Because he is doing something for the kingdom. And is it okay if I brag on my kids for just a minute? Our oldest son got out of university and went to work. And he was working for a Fortune 500 company in St. Louis, Missouri, making a lot of money. And every now and then he'd rub it in. We'd go to visit him. We'd go out to eat and... You know, being the dad, I'd normally pick up the check, and he'd say, oh, no, Dad, this is on me. I make more than you anyway. And then I was the missions pastor for a church and was running an organization of planting churches around the world, and I needed an administrator, and I knew that our oldest son had the qualifications. So I called him and said, Jacob, would you be willing to leave St. Louis, move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to be my administrator, and I can offer you and gave him a figure which is about one-third of what he was making. 
He said, let me pray about it. And he prayed about it, and he called and said, Dad, I'll do it. So he went to give his notice at work, and they offered him a 50% pay raise. And he turned it down. And so when he came to interview for the job, my senior pastor asked him, Jake, your dad told me of all the money that you gave up, why? He said, well, pastor, I work for a Fortune 500 company. We're the largest research chemical company in the United States. We sell um, research drugs and chemicals to research laboratories all over the world. And one day, one of those drugs or one of those elements that I sell, somebody's going to use it to cure cancer. So I could say I had something to do with curing cancer. But he said that same scientist went to eat lunch at McDonald's so they could say they had something to do with curing cancer. But he said, I know every day that I come to work at Global 12 Project that souls are being saved and churches are being planted. At that time, we were planting a church somewhere in the world every 90 minutes. And he said, Pastor, I'm, I don't remember, 33 years old, 34 years old. And he says, I'm tired of wasting my life making money for nothing that matters. And he says, so I'm willing to take a way big pay cut to come to work for something that will last for eternity. And I just want to encourage you, don't all quit your jobs, okay, please. <laughs> but ask God to help you touch people's lives where you work that will make a difference for eternity. Because God has called each one of us to influence the next generation. And then expose your family to godly influences. Men and women of God that bring into the home people that you know, other families, so that our families are exposed to these things. And I just want to encourage you today that God has a plan for your family. God has put you together as husband and wife and given you the kids that you have for a purpose. And treasure them because they are not yours. They belong to God and he just entrusts us with them. We are stewards of them for a certain amount of time. And then they go off and they make their own family, and generation by generation, the human race goes on. And I just want to share with you today to understand that the family is the most important element of society. Our families are important. And even though we don't understand what's going on sometimes with our kids and sometimes what's going on in our family, we have to trust and have to believe and have to know that God has it all under control. And we just give them to Him. Oh God, I don't understand this 
my daughter having the shortest hair in the family. God, I don't understand what this tongue ring thing is, but you deal with it and give us grace and give us patience. And, you know, all of those phases you go through, they work out. And, you know, now she's a great mom. God can work miracles even where you think everything's gone off the deep end. As long as we dedicate our family to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for this time. And Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you that the family is indispensable. I thank you that your family is the thing that is the closest to your heart. Because, Father, in the garden you created man and woman, put them together to form the first family. Father, when you called Abraham, you called out his family. And Father, I thank you all that you are the God of the generations because you're always called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God to the first, second, third generations and beyond. Father, I ask that you would help every one of us to make our homes, make our families, even this family in Kuwait called CIC, a place of refuge. Father, a place where we learn to get along one with another, a place where we can laugh together, and a place where we influence future generations. And Father, we just give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.